Part 3, The Ring. She tells you that she told you her name so it wouldn't be forgotten. So that time would not leave it to rot like time so often does. You don't tell her yours. Your name is a lie. It was a lie the day you left, and it will be a lie until the day you return. Lies are cruel, but the desert is crueler. For all you have left of home is a name and a blanket. The dawn of a new year spills through the shutters. A warm hand rests on your hip. You awaken slowly, carefully, trying not to rouse the rider. Her hand holds your hip in place. You don't know when you got close enough in the night for her to touch you. You started sharing the bed the day after she was shot. For warmth, she says, but you know it's cause neither of you wants to be alone. In the night, she tosses and turns, crying out when she puts pressure on her still fresh wound. Sometimes in the dead of the night, her hand finds yours and you hold it. You slide out of the bed, quietly crossing the floor to the door. In the kitchen, you prepare breakfast. As the kettle boils, you prepare a change of dressing for the gunshot. You pour two mugs of coffee and carry them back to the room. She is sitting up in the bed, chest bare and heaving. You quickly, bru- you quickly put the coffee down on the dresser and crouch by her. Despite the frosty morning, she's sweating, shaking. You pull her hair back from her neck, brushing it from her face. She rests her head on your shoulder, warm breaths creating a damp patch on your nightgown. After some time, she lifts her head and her eyes are rimmed red. You move your hands to her shoulder and she nods. You give her the pain medication the sawbones gave you. Told you to make sure she takes it no matter how much she refuses. You slowly pull the gauze from her wound, hands gentle. Occasionally she winces. You wipe the red skin with water and the rider's hand grips into your leg, bunching the fabric. As you rewrap the shot, she watches your face and you cower from her gaze, focusing on the feeling of her rough skin and the startling white of the gauze. You begin to pull away when you finish, but she holds you down, hands on your waist. A warmth pulls inside you. She leans forwards till her face is just a hair's breath from yours. You forget to breathe for a moment. As she rests her forehead against yours, eyes closed. Thank you, she whispers. Her lips brush against yours and you can't tell if she meant to. And it's too late to ask because her head is on the pillow and she has drifted off into a dreamless sleep. Her hands are still on your waist. You touch a hand to your lips. They're still warm. Something twists inside your heart. It's a feeling you've never felt before. There's a cold patch on your skin biting into you. You look down. The ring. Cleaned of blood and dirt, you can see that it is gold. 
dulled by years of being worn, it's clear that it is a wedding band. You reach for it, afraid to wake the sleeping woman, but you have to know. You turn it on her finger, studying it in the dawn light. A small inscription catches your eye. A-C-X-J-S 53. You pull away quickly, almost falling out of the bed. J-S. Your mind races. She had a husband, and yet she's never mentioned him, and you've never seen anything indicating that he once lived here as, as if he was scrubbed away. The date on the ring, 1953, you realize you don't know how old the writer is. Already, you know she is older than you, but how much? How, how long was she married? Does she have children? The writer groans, snapping you out of your spiral. You wipe the sweat from her brow with a damp washcloth, watching the water roll down her face. There's a knock at the door. You get up and take one last look at her before going. The shepherd stands on the porch, looking out over the horizon as she waits. You open the door and welcome her in. She takes off her hat, hair held back by an old bandana. She greets you in the language of your mother. You greet her back in the language of hers. You boil a kettle, spoon coffee into mugs, pour the water, a strange silence is settled between you. You both sit there without a word. She dumps a bag on the table. Inside are medical supplies and ears of corn. A loud thud comes from the bedroom. You stand up. The rider stumbles out, arm held to her waist. She looks at you and then the shepherd. Ka. Addy. And once again, dear watcher, you find yourself at a resurrection. Once was a coincidence, but twice it's a message. You came to the desert to die, and in the red sands you have destroyed who you once were. Tell me, watcher, do you remember the name your mother gave you, or has that too been burnt away, ashes in the wind? I'll tell you a secret, Watcher. I know your name. I know that it is a lie. You cannot forgive and forget your own sins. You cannot become who you will be until you accept who you were. The three of you sit in silence. The coffee is cold. The ends of cigarettes smoke and burn away in the ashtray, forming a gray desert in the ceramic. The rider and the shepherd begin to speak, but you can't understand. It doesn't sound like anything you've heard before. They speak fast. When the shepherd leaves, she says goodbye in that same strange tongue you watch as she rides off, dust trailing after her. You turn back to the rider. She's broken a sweat, trying to pull her boots on. Brow furrowed, eyes angry. You stop her and kneel down, gently pulling her boot up and over her calf. She stares at the wall of the house, 
you pull up the other boot. She walks off the porch onto the plain, a satchel slung over her good shoulder. In the midday sun, you can see how gaunt her face has become. She keeps walking. You run after her, stealing your nightgown. You ask her where she's going. She makes her way to the stable, grabbing tack. You have enough sense to pull on some boots before also grabbing tack. She takes her hat off the wall and begins preparing her horse. You work fast, faster than the rider can. You finish and go to help her, but she pushes you off. She makes quick work of the task, and you realize that even blind, she could tack a horse in record time. She leads the horse out, climbs on, pulling herself up with an ease that shouldn't be possible. She sets off at a relentless pace. You race to pull yourself onto your horse, chasing the wild woman. Her hair flies around under her hat, whipping in the wind. You jump the fence of the ranch and keep riding up into the open plains. You keep trying to catch up, but she's always a couple steps ahead, slipping out of reach. She slows, turning to face you. She's not smiling, but her eyes glitter with a joy that hits you in the chest. It's a look you haven't seen in many months. She pulls at the reins and you flick to her hands without thinking. The ring. She looks at you, staring at it, shakes her head. She spurs her horse and begins at a decent pace back to the ranch. You follow, chest tight. You wake up to someone banging on the door. There is no light in the room. You fumble for the bedside light. It clicks on. The rider is also sitting up, pulling a shirt gently over her wound. In recent weeks, it has begun to scar, but it still hurts at times. The banging continues. You push the blankets aside and walk through the passageway to the front door. You open it enough to see who's knocking. You are met with the barrel of a gun. The man behind it pushes the door open, pushing your back. His eyes scan the dark corridor. And then you are fallen, thrown out of the door and onto the stairs of the porch. And then you are in the dirt, finding it hard to breathe, choking on nothing. You think you might be bleeding, but you're not sure. Three shots cut your thoughts in half. You try to scream, but your voice is a hoarse whisper. A loud thud comes from behind you. Then footsteps and arms are scooping you up from the ground. You open your eyes to look at whomever has you. It's Adelita. She strains as she carries you up the stairs, pushing the door open with her shoulder, Stumbling through the creaking house, you fade in and out of consciousness in her arms. Her skin is warm, and you miss it when she puts you down on the bed. She's saying something to you in that strange language, and it sounds a bit like the word chicken. But you hit your head pretty hard, and the world is moving despite being at a standstill. She wipes your head with a cloth and frowns. 
maybe smile. Everything is blurry. If you could just close your eyes for a moment. A sharp pinch on your arm snaps you awake immediately. Adelita's telling you to stay awake. You can see blood along her arm. You can't tell if it's hers or yours. There's a set of clicks, a phone being dialed. You watch as she turns the dial, picking up the phone as it rings. She talks fast, speaking that strange language to whoever is on the other side. The other side, you've never really taken a moment to think about what is on the other side, and you don't really want to, but you're lying down, head spinning, and maybe now is the time to think about it. It'd be a shame to die in Adelita's house, leaving her haunted by you. A rough hand brushes your face. It curls around the back of your head and lifts you gently. A mug is pressed to your lips and you open them, letting the water trickle into your mouth. You swallow and it burns, forcing tears in your eyes. The hand lays you back down. Your eyes threaten to close, darkness grabbing at your mind. You close your eyes. You don't dream, per se. You float in a void as if between places. Here, there is no end, no beginning, no life, no death. You just are. You feel strange. Arms and legs fuzzy, almost like static from a radio. You try to move. It's slow, like going against a raging river, your body wanting to snap back to its original place. A single star appears in the distance. It begins to glow brighter and brighter until the light has consumed you. You awake slowly, ears ringing. Your lungs still burn with each breath. You try to sit up, but a gentle hand puts you back down. Everything is still blurry. Someone strokes your forehead. You fall back asleep. You wake again. The smell is clinical, sterile. You sit up, your chest aches and you let out a low cry a door opens and someone comes in you can't see who with the tears in your eyes they help prop you up gently moving you to a more comfortable position they leave again the door opens and a quiet conversation happens the door closes again a figure stands at the end of the bed hat hiding their face you already know who it is, the rider. You can already tell she's frowning, and as she gets closer, you can see a variety of bandages that cover her face and arms. You try to ask her what happened, but your voice is rough on your throat, and only a small sound comes out. There is dried blood on her shirt, dark crimson stains. Your sleeve is torn. You can't look at her boots, but you imagine they look like they did all those years ago at the reservation. She stands over you, not speaking, rather looking at you up and down. 
that sinister gleam has returned to her eyes. She tells you to never come back. Then she turns around and leaves. You stare after her. The sawbones comes in, a gentle but pitiful smile on her face. She tells you you're at her clinic. That you suffered a severe concussion and several other injuries after being thrown from the house. She tells you the rider called her in the middle of the night, begging her to come help you. That the rider carried you to the Sawbones truck and held you the whole way to the town. That the rider left shortly after dropping here and came back the next day a bloody and bruised mess. That she wouldn't say what happened. You lie back down and stare at the ceiling. Those eyes pull at the back of your mind, dark and wild, like a wolf alone in the plains, hunting its prey in the dark of night. And you realize that if she is the wolf, then you are the lamb, and this is the slaughter.